0: All of us here at Troy Church in Troy, Alabama, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We are a family in Jesus that aims to love God, love one another, and love the world. If you would like more information on who we are, what we believe, or how to get involved, please visit us at TroyChurch.tv or email us at info, I-N-F-O, at Um, troychurch.tv.
1: Speaking of introductions, I still, again, see so many people that I don't know, and I love that, but also hope to to change that and get to know you too. My name's Zach. I get to lead pastor here at Troy Church, and it's uh, uh, something that I get to do that I love to do. Um, But as we like to say, just... The nature of our church, like we're in a cafetorium, there's going to be kids uh, eating lunch in here in in an hour at this time tomorrow and this week. And we come in here and we disappear and it's so easy for you to just come and go and never get to know us and us never get to know you. We don't want you to miss out on uh, what we say and hope and pray is, is a true family in Jesus where we really know you and we get to approach Jesus and depend on him together. And we want you in on that if you're just coming and going for service you're, you're not getting what we see God do in our midst as a family. Uh, so I hope, you know, and you're coming and going, you would just talk to one of us that you see up here on the stage, any of the people that lead worship, any of the people you hear, see, read, me or one of the other elders, we want to know you. Um, and through the week, sit down with you and learn your story and see if God might have our stories intersect. But for now, we are so glad you're here, um, and, we, and we pray that you would see Jesus through um, what we do. Before we get into God's word, we're going to be in Romans 12, the passage we just read, or you heard read from the Faulkners. I got two announcements, kind of pre-sermon, just to get you thinking about. Very first is for any of you that are covenant members of our church family, we have covenant member meeting. It's coming up on December fourth, and that will be at eight o'clock in the morning, bright and early. Uh, We'll come in here and talk all 2023. Uh, We'll celebrate 2022. We'll kind of cast vision and. Uh, tell you what we think God has for us to do as a church. We'll give you a a look at our budget, give you an opportunity through the coming weeks after to speak to us and interact with us on what you see and hear in that time. It's kind of our yearly business meeting um, where we get together and talk about the next year. So very important you all that are Covenant members would uh, make a point to protect that time and be here. We'll have a little coffee fellowship in between that and worship. It'll be a day, but it'll be a good day. Uh, So please go ahead and write that down, notch that down, try your best to be here as we see what God has for us. Um, If you are interested in that term covenant member, like what it means to actually be a part of us, the next announcement will speak to you uh, November the 13th, coming up, not this upcoming Sunday, but the next, we have what we call TC 101, and that is your first step towards us as a church, if you're interested in membership. That's not you committing to that or... You know, signing your life away into that, it's you expressing interest. Uh, So you come in this room, we we see about your kids, and we feed you uh, date night so far, and we tell you all about our church, like our story. Um, We tell you about what we believe, we tell you about how we practice just shepherding and worship and missions and outreach and all those things. So if you're interested in being a part of us, that would be your first step. So November the uh, 13th, 5 to 8, you can sign up for... All that stuff through QR codes as you leave worship out there on that little table today. I think that's all I'm supposed to do before. So we're coming to Romans 12, chapter 12. Um, And again, it's a passage we didn't plan on being in this year whatsoever. Kind of stumbled upon it through cross-referencing the other place in the Bible that we were looking at. Um, But for me, this little piece of Romans 12 has been like anything you buy at the store that comes in a bag. Like a tailgate tent or a camp chair or an air mattress, like it comes in the bag and you take it out of the bag and use it, you ain't never getting it back in that bag that it came into because it, it's just too big and complicated. And this little passage has been that for us. It, it was so impactful for us. Yeah, how we got here, we were going through Genesis 34. We talked about the fact that we can be passive at times. We need to speak up and use our voice. We talked about how in the same breath we can be very uh, you know, fantasize about revenge, about getting even, about getting back, how both those things are really far from Jesus. We came to this little cross-reference, right? This is a cool passage, so we went back to it, and we've actually talked about every other angle of it except that part, which we'll finally get to do today. But such a, a just impactful passage for us as Paul uh, talks to us in Romans chapter 12. So we did the first top part that talked about loving people. We talked about how to not be passive, how to go towards people. And we pivoted last week to kind of the anti-vengeance part. Like what it is to trust God as God, like trust and see all the things that God is God over, and to let that really free us up to relax and be with and for people and how to love people. And we framed that up with kind of five instructions like five instructions that Paul gives that epitomizes trusting God. So in other words, like people that trust God will be about these five things and do these five things. It'll display their trust, their release of vengeance. Like I'm, God is over that. I don't have to be about that. I can focus on being with people, on being with Christ, on displaying Christ to everybody I interact with. We did three of those last week. So we said those that trust God, they can bless people even when they're persecuted. So when people do you wrong because God is God, you're free to want good for them. You can really want that. We talked about how you're free to be happy for people when good stuff happens to them. You don't have to be jealous. You don't have to doubt the justice that comes in them receiving good things. And perhaps you not, you're free to truly be like, man, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. You can say that. And on the, on the same hand, how we can really weep with people. We don't have to be inconvenienced or weirded out by the fact that people go through hard things. Because God is God, we can be free to really sit there with them and at the proper time tell them true things and, and call them into a place of rejoicing and into a place of peace. So we'll do two more today. So the fourth thing, if you're, if you're tacking on to what you brought in last week, These are not as self-explanatory, so we'll get into them. But the fourth thing is associate. So those that trust God, associate with the lowly. We'll talk about what that means. And five, those that trust God, never avenge. Be much similar to bless those that persecute you with some added things. I'm excited about these two things because I think they're things that we get wrong a lot. Even those of us that are familiar with these passages, for me, as I looked at them, I carried a lot of baggage into just Background and being in and around church and thinking th- these meant something different than I found them to mean this morning And I think that might be the case for us And I think there are two things of God really being like hey if if you miss this You're really gonna be like tempted to think that you're God like want to be your own God like be the boss And him kind of reminding us back to the fall like hey That's what got us here to this place where you required a savior It's like this is very important um, so there are two things I think we're prone to get wrong, but two things that if we will look at Christ, I think we'll see rightly, and by His grace, get rightly, So I'm excited for us to look at this. Uh, first, so first thing, it's just two things. First thing is associate with. I'll go ahead and tell you too, we're leaving so much out, like we're not even going to talk about, like if, if at all possible, live peaceably with all, we're not even talking about that, and that's a huge thing, and we're just having to, to leave it be. Uh, So let's look at 16, associate with, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. You got here a great example of harmony, whether you're musical or, or, or not. Yeah, all these people up here on stage have different sounding voices and yeah, on even the last song in a very amazing, awesome way, singing different notes that come together to to be one thing, like going in the same direction. It's kind of a, a cool correlation from last week where Paul's like, "Hey, you know, weep with those who weep, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice." Y'all might be in different places. We come in this room. Some of you just had the best week of your life. Some of y'all are in really hard, dark places. And somehow, some way, we come in here and in, in Christ together. There's a, a harmony. being with each other. So on the heels of that, he says, don't be haughty, which is the opposite of lowly, like literally high, like don't be stuck up, don't be stuck up high over yourself. He says, but associate with the lowly, which we're going to look at really deeply. He says, never be wise in your own sight. Don't be arrogant. Don't look at yourself and be like, I am so wise. So what does this mean? Like, what do we take from this? It doesn't mean that we as Christians should hang out with people that are socially, economically, and spiritually low. Maybe. Like, that makes sense. We'll hang out with these people that are low. We'll be like Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he He hung out with people that are low. So we'll be like Jesus and hang out with those who are lowly. And that sounds good, and it's kind of right, but there's so much wrong in that that could potentially happen in our hearts if we're not careful and we approach it trying to be God in this. I want to explain what I see that meaning. I think what it looks like, we see somebody like socially outcast, economically outcast, like spiritually outcast, and maybe in a moment of high energy, we're like, man, I'm going to do something for them. I'm going to go hang out with them or I'm going to meet a need for them which can be so good. That can be such a good thing. But so quickly, our heart, our human heart, our fallen heart, that can turn into I am so great. And that poor, pitiful, lowly person that has so much need, I, the great, the social, the cool, I'm about to grace this poor, pitiful person with my presence. I'm about to associate with the lowly. And in that, we are being what Paul says on the top and bottom of that command not to do. Don't be haughty. Don't be high. Don't be wise in your own sight. Be lowly. Associate with the low. We can make this mistake in missions, close and far, but even more so just in a, a mindset with people day to day. And I just submit to you, like, who in my day do I feel better than as I interact if, if I really pay attention who do I approach you when I'm exerting energy for and being like, this poor person, yeah, I'm going to be nice to them. And the realization that in that we are elevating ourselves and pressing them down, viewing ourselves more highly than we ought. And something just so wild for me to look at this verse closely, look at a word like associate and, and really look at it, at what it means is to go along with, to be carried away with, literally like to be conformed to. So when Paul says associate with the lowly, he's not saying, hey, y'all people that are so great and social and cool and high and elevated, you know, be nice and spend some time with these lowly people. He's saying be the lowly people. Be carried away with the lowly people. Be counted as the lowly people. Paul's saying don't be stuck up, but be lowly. You aren't too good for... Anyone, because you know that your only good is from Christ and belongs to Him. We see Paul model this. Paul, you know, we can tell in his writing, being such a confident and proud guy, but then being really quick to say, you know, Christ came to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. I okay, can't nobody more broke than me. In Troy Church, we have to understand and have to cling to as we go out in their community. We're not the high, elevated, wise, rich, blessing the lowly with our time. We as a church are called to spend time with the lowly as the lowly. We're to approach the poor as the poor. When God himself comes to us, he doesn't address us from this kind of pedestal place, speaking to us as these lowly down here. He comes to us, gentle and lowly. He doesn't throw money at us and ladle soup at us. He lives with us and dies for us. He comes, he literally says, I'm gentle and lowly. And he's God. And that's how he comes to us. I think this is Paul saying, if we view ourselves rightly in Christ, we can be present with anybody real well. Does that mean it's wrong to be rich and influential and have status? Not at all. But may we not forget who's blessed us with it and who it belongs to. There's the poor that stays poor and that's sad. There's a poor that doesn't know that they're poor, and that's arrogant. And then there's a poor that's been made rich outside of themselves, and they are humbly joyful. And may we be humbly joyful. A rescued sinner has never met a rougher, lowlier person than them. And we've been rescued. Like we've all been rescued. We should carry a mindset towards all with this like, man, like that was close. I've been rescued by divine grace. So again, I ask you like who in your day to day life, think back Monday through Friday, who do you feel better than when you're acting who do you feel like you're doing a huge favor to give grace to? Like your time and presence and words to? And may you say, Jesus, like show me what's going on there. Help me with that. And I want us to look at him. He's God. He is worthy of all glory. He never demanded it as he walked among us. He never did. And in Him, we can truly go along with the lowly, like love the lowly as the lowly, love the poor as the poor. We trust that He's freed us from obsession with our image, us wanting to be like God, us wanting to receive glory as He conforms us to His. So associate with, those that trust associate with. So fifth thing, Or second thing, if you're new with us today, last thing, never avenge. This is the whole point why we came to this verse, why we got here and started looking at all these other things in here. So I'm going to reread it to you. It really starts up in 17. We're just going to look at 19 through the end. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, we do a lot, of, you know, small group stuff. So we have all these icebreakers that are painful for some of y'all to do, and it's just part of it. It's a, it's a good time. So favorite movies, always one, and I always go to Gladiator. And I gauge that by, like, I could watch this movie several times and, like, be cool with it. It wouldn't get old to me. Uh, our youth got introduced to The Princess Bride at a movie night not too long ago. I hope that's okay. <laughs> but those are great movies that we love. And if, if you'll look at those and other movies that we love, like, Revenge is a Thing in a lot of movies. Like, we love that plot line in a movie. It, it works well to us. Even with the kids, like, The End of Aladdin... Like, nobody wants to see Jafar repent and, like, be humbled. We want to see him thrown in that lamp and put back in the Cave of Wonders for 2,000 years and set up a sequel. Yeah, we don't want to see Captain Hook repent, like, and invite the lost boys into adulthood. Like, we want to see him get chased, like, eternally by the uh, crocodile thing that chased him around. We like revenge, like revenge works for us, and we like to administer revenge. People in Paul's audience liked revenge. We talked about that a little bit last week, just the virtues of this Greco-Roman world, kind of the, 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 the base start of this, like, are you going to let him do that to you? Like, that kind of feeling. We, we know that pressure. Even in our church, I think we accept some of that and let that be okay. ton of legal loopholes in Roman society to avenge and get back on your own without being necessarily held to what you did. I think it's important for us to remember, even as Jesus comes and interacts with a, A Jewish audience that even religion loved revenge. Eye for an eye was how stuff went. They do that to you, you get to do it to them. There's even an avenger of blood in the Old Testament, like approved and stamped by God. This is a person that carries a legal responsibility to kill whoever killed your next of kin. And it's it's okay. There's a system in this, this time where religion and government were tied together allowed by God before he would come in the flesh and say, hey, you've heard it said this, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving some new stuff to you right now. Paul's audience loved revenge. We like revenge. We like it. We are so much weaker and more comfortable than any uh, generation that came before us. I love talking like 80 and 9-year-old people about the stuff that they went through, and like we would never make it through that. So our revenge is way less glamorous and pretty petty but y'all know that feeling when your behavior changes towards somebody that did something to you. Like so-and-so said this to me, I'm not inviting them to this thing. Or the most savage of all, I'm not liking their picture. Because they did whatever to me, I'm not liking it. Scrolling right past it. Y'all, did, y'all do that. Somebody inconveniences you and you have that dream fantasy of seeing them broke down on the side of the road in the rain where you can drive by and be like, what's up? And keep going. Like we love, you love that. We've talked about this. Don't lie. Like Own it. And Paul says you're freed up to be good to people. Never avenge yourself. Hear that if you're a Christian. Never avenge yourself. It's not okay. Like it's not okay to get back at people. I would rather that say different. But it doesn't. 19 through 21, never get back. It says, does it say just let it go like it's okay? No, it says leave it to God. Leave it to God, the perfect judge. It's so important to understand. This isn't Paul telling us to overlook justice. It's saying like, look, the epitome of justice has said, I got this. Vengeance is mine, and nobody's better at it than me. I got this. You're free to love people because I'm taking care of the justice part the sentencing part. This is a trusting God to be who He is, even when He doesn't operate in our vision or on our timetable. The perfect judge to say, this is mine, and because it's His, we are freed up. And Paul says, in that, you can love on people. Like, you can meet their needs because you don't have to worry about getting them back. And so here goes this phrase that, maybe you've heard growing up, there's all kind of spins on it, but By doing this, by meeting their needs, you're going to heat burning coals on their head. That sounds fun. It sounds vengeful, like getting back. What does that mean? And here's the deal. I think we hear that, and I think we think that means, I want y'all to fill in the blank. Y'all hear this all the time. We're going to kill them with kindness. We're going to kill them with kindness. I think we think that means that. But we do not see Jesus or Paul give the rationale of like you're going to do this and you're going to inflict like pain on them through being nice to them. And I want you to think about the philosophy of like kill them with kindness. I'm going to do good to them and I'm going to make them feel bad. It's going to be awesome. They're going to be bad to me. I'm going I'm to like let it go and then you know, very visibly in front of them like be nice to them and I'm really going to twist the dagger. Good thing we don't do that in marriages. <laughs> Jesus comes to us who openly rebel. We like being little gods that carry out our own justice, like little Justice Batman. And he lives and dies for us. He does good to us in view of God's wrath. like He does good to us by absorbing it for us, like clearing that out for us, taking it upon Himself. He doesn't do that to make us feel bad. Like Jesus doesn't come to us and live perfectly for us and die sufficiently us for us to rub our nose in our deficiency. Like in our need. Jesus didn't come to you to make you feel bad. He does it to heal us and see us enjoy Him and see us be with Him forever. John 15, 15 blows my mind, Jesus says, You're not servants anymore. I call you friends. Like you're gonna be friends that bear fruit. These are to the disciples that in like fifteen minutes are gonna completely Bail on him. He says, I'm going to come and do this for you so that you can be my friends and that you can act like me, like exude my character for your lifetime into eternity for my glory. First Peter two twenty four we talk about all the time. He himself bore our sins and his body on a tree, so that our nose bite me rubbed in our shame for his vengeance, no, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. God does good towards us while we're bad for our good. Like, God does good towards us while we're bad, and it's for our good. And we who are to be image bearers are are called and freed to do the same thing. So we see this burning coals phrase a lot in the Old Testament, and usually it's talking about judgment. Like, it's talking about eternal judgment. And in the middle of this idea that Paul is getting at it, I think this is Paul being like, look, you can really trust that God will carry out justice. Yeah, Hopefully it will be through what he talks about in Romans 13, through the laws of the land, through authorities, but him acknowledging, like, hey, sometimes that won't be right or good. Sometimes things will be missed. Sometimes things will never make it there. But him saying in this, like, vengeance is God. It belongs to God, and he's good at it. Paul is making sure that we remember and understand that all things, all wrongs, will either be paid for in a real place called hell, in a real eternity where the perfect wrath of God will rage on those things and perfect justice, that should not be a comfort to us. That should haunt us for the worst person we could imagine in our mind. But Paul's saying you can relax because things will either be paid for there or they've been paid for on the cross. They've been paid for on the cross. Justice has been served by the full measure of my wrath against the sins of God's people Forever have been poured out on my son on the cross. Vengeance is mine and it's done and it's finished. And Paul pointing us back to that, being like, You can relax. This is paid for. Every wrong, big on the news, every little wrong in your house, either paid for in the believer by the blood of Jesus or will be paid for in eternal suffering by God. I think we mistakenly get the sense that God like likes us, or you know, we've done enough to please Him, so He sweeps the sin under the rug, and all of our sin generate just punishment, and every ounce was absorbed on the cross. It gives us complete freedom to back away from vengeance, from personal vengeance. And that means for you, and for me, and you, fellow micromanaging judge, that we are free to love on and serve our enemies and prayerfully hope that they would see and believe the love and grace that's coming out of us that we have experienced through our actions towards them. And if they do, if they see our actions coming at them, we're, we're displaying the epitome of the gospel that they might even come to faith, that they might believe. We are truly in that moment doing verse 21. We're overcoming evil with good. We're literally being used by God to overcome evil With good, The opposite, I see it every day in my house. Don't be overtaken by evil. I see one kid, you know, take something from another kid in my house. That kid's going to, like, poke that kid. And then that kid's going to retaliate with a punch. And, like, five steps later, we're brawl, like, wrestling match on the floor. It's this cyclical, you know, cycle of deepening evil. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Take it the other direction. Overcome evil with good epitomize the gospel by loving those that persecute you. It's, it's, it's the essence of what God has done for us in Jesus. And you have no greater opportunity than to show it, than when you're being done wrong by people. than to bless them and love on them. And to bless all people as one of the lowly. So God has seen us not trust and respect to all these things that we've talked about, and He says, I know. And He comes to us. I just want to invite us to sit in that today, a real Jesus that's come to call us into a family, to love the lowly, to trust God's sovereign vengeance that we can release and really love each other, really go towards each other. So I'm going to pray and invite you to pray. We don't say this enough, but you know, this high school stage is just as much of an altar. If you need to come up here and pray, if you need to come pray with one of us, if you need to pray where you're at, that you might let God just expose, but expose not to leave you, expose to come and heal,
0: and walk us towards the sun. Let's pray. Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, at our website, or even in person right here in Troy. All information and links are in our description. Thank you, and God bless.